Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and uh, we are not talking about uh, Persona 5, Animal Crossing, or Final Fantasy 7 immediately. We're going to touch on Animal Crossing <laughs> later. Uh, but this is... Uh, I was like, this... you're just straight up lying to them. <laughs> <laughs> the, welcome to Into the Aether. And no, it is not a pyramid scheme. We just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pointed upward business model, okay? <laughs> Um, I just want to touch on that because not that it's a bad thing. I just, I do feel like I've had the same feeling where I'm like, oh, I've eaten ice cream every night this week, you know, like Mm -hmm. in terms of our show's content, but uh, we're changing it up a little bit and opening with a game that I purchased on Steam that I maybe, I don't think I've opened Steam since the first time was with uh, a short hike. I played it on my Mac. And before mm-hmm. that, it was like I tried out Cuphead like when it came out on my Mac and then it didn't really like work to play like on a MacBook keyboard. <laughs> so it was just really surreal to like be back in Steam. Nothing against Steam. I just like, you know, I think you and I both talked about how we're we haven't really had a lot of experience playing on PC. There was like a weird year of my life where I tried to make it work. I had a uh, it's not a laptop, but I had like a windows laptop and i got really into steam and i got like a bunch of games like a lot of stuff that i missed that was older like night seal of republic and um i got into tf2 this is like a hot 2012 yeah uh, uh pc flirtation around that period is also i had a gaming laptop as well and i got yeah. like so into playing it was like the first time that i could run pc games at like the highest specs possible and i was yeah. able to do it for like maybe a year and a half before you yeah. know, everything just outpaced this laptop that I bought. But in that time, I played so much stuff uh, and and my Steam library grew to like two to three hundred games, you know, and I still I still buy all the humble bundles and stuff like just in case one day. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it, I have a it's a nice feeling to have this library like in my back pocket somewhere. Um, I mean, half of it has like red X's over it because I have a Mac. So it's like, no, you can't play Nadog. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I, I bring that up. It was just funny because they've changed the like layout of Steam to be kind of like streaming service-esque so there's a thing that's like recently played games and it was like a short hike and then it jumps immediately to 2014 walking dead season two Delta. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah recently played games okay guys but i say all that because i purchased the game on steam uh, i purchased tabletop simulator this is actually kind of a surprise to me because i have uh, two very close friends zoe and brendan uh brendan with an a-n uh, your doppelganger. Uh-oh. Um, give you both a shout out. Very close friends of mine. And they are very much my window into the board game world. I think I've mentioned this before. Like, because I like board games, but I, I don't know nearly as much about them as I do, like, you know, video games. Uh, and they've showed me a lot of really cool stuff and they've taught me different genres of games and kind of how to like break everything down. Uh, and it's interesting because I think like, well, I would say with video games, like the US and Japan are like kind of at the top of the industry in terms of like output, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and every now and then in another country like, you know, Poland had Witcher 3 and stuff, but like most games are coming out of those two countries. With board games, Germany is like the mecca of board games. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole genre of style called German games, like all about kind of resource management and like is kind of more sellers of Catan and less risk. Anyway, I bring that up because we were going to play this board game called Roots, which I really like. And I'll talk more about specifically as we get into this. But this is kind of intertwined with Tabletop Simulator as a game. Um, and I thought they're like, you want to do a virtual game of Roots sometime soon? And I was like, yeah, it sounds great. And I thought... <laughs> 
<laughs> like literally like your friend's grandpa. I thought <laughs> that we were going to like go on Skype or Zoom or something and just like, because we both have a copy of the game. I thought we were just going to play it like mm. in tandem, which I guess you could do. It'd be kind of awkward, but like that yeah. is an option. But he was like, no, 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 we're going to play on Tabletop Simulator. So I, I went and bought it. I will warn you. This I know I make this joke a lot and I, I have like I'm like a germaphobe when it comes to like malicious software. Like I always like anytime you send me any link, I'm like, is this a virus? And you're like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, Steven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this game feels like your computer just got hijacked the minute you turn it on. Like it has like really strange kind of Mario Party one synth xylophone music playing. Yeah. The the logo is like a nice kind of chess piece and other like iconic game pieces and it says tabletop simulator but the background is like it looks like a foggy version of like just a live webcam feed and then the the publisher's logo is like covered in blood in the top right hand corner the the vibe is so like bargain bin game from a staples while you're shopping for school (laughs) supplies in fourth grade like yeah that is is so they nail that so perfectly on that on that title screen yeah i I should just mention before we even get too uh, much further and i've also downloaded and played tabletop simulator a whole bunch um for a very different reason than you have but i'm excited to talk oh, about cool. it later well i'm excited to hear your reason for getting it but yeah and I, I knew this game existed i'd seen footage of it and it always seemed like a really cool resource and that's that's essentially what it is it's it's i would even compare it to like an rpg maker kind of experience yeah, where yeah. like the the crux of it is not necessarily the game itself but what people are doing with it mm-hmm. um and there's a really, really, really active and talented community of like just like developers basically like making board games in this simulator. Um, and I was actually really curious like when I first heard that I was like, well, what's been the reaction of like the people making these games? Like, are they cool with this? Are they not? And and according to my friends, they're like 99% of of like game publishers are like have zero problem with it because no one's like no one's choosing to play Root in tabletop sim over having a copy of it. Yes, like right. It, it is overwhelmingly, especially right now, it is overwhelmingly the case that like people can't be together for whatever reason yeah. and they want to play a game and this is like the option they have. And so it very much depends on like every every game has, I, I would imagine, multiple different versions of like someone attempting to make that game in this space. And it's kind of what you would imagine it to be. It's there's there's always this kind of giant like 3D table. You can change what the background is, which is really funny. Yeah. And they're they're like karaoke like public domain footage of just various countryscapes. <laughs> like it reminds yeah. me of like, you know, singing along to a synth version of Smash Mouth while there's this like photos of New Zealand in the 90s playing, yeah, you know? Yeah, Like it has Absolutely. that. It's very funny. But really, um, <laughs> and it takes a little bit of getting used to because how it works is like when you're playing a game, you are essentially just sort of like a roaming camera yeah. around this table. I found it best. You move the camera with WASD and you can kind of right click to change like which direction you're looking at. I found it oddly best to just have my camera like where my head would be like around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really nice is that if you hover over any like card or piece or the game board, you can hit alts and it will just bring up that image like flat to your screen so you can read it. Yeah. So you don't actually have to like, you know, death move stranding, the camera like, there. Move, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> just like just um, uh, I'm imagining you just on all fours on top of the table, like trying to get yeah. your eyeball as close to a card well, as possible. BTs drag me into hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, apparently, this game can be played in VR, which is 
really interesting to me. I'm like, I would love actually, to play it in VR if I yeah. had that capability. Um, and it was really cool. Like, I, I, I honestly was really impressed at how once like it does take like I would say like a minute or two to like get your bearings straight and to like get the game set up very much like a real board game is. Yeah. In that that kept happening, which was really interesting because like so we had Rude all set up and you know we got our places on the board and what I really found fascinating was like pretty much right away it it felt like we were playing it together you know we were talking on discord Mm -hmm. and like to the point where like i rolled the dice and accidentally knocked pieces off the board and i'm like the fact that that's something that like shouldn't like that's something that in a sim you might get rid of right you would design around that right because you think it might impede on on the player having fun but in actuality that's a thing that happens in real life and if this is supposed to be a simulator then you would you would want that in the game and it just it just kind of creates for more uh more spontaneous fun if anything yeah it it reminded me and you know it's easy enough to put them back and there's there is some stuff like you can shuffle the deck despite you know hitting uh, I think R or something. Mm-hmm. I did actually accidentally draw the whole deck once and then I flipped the game board. Uh, so <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but it was really fun. Uh, it, it was a really cool experience. I would recommend if, if you are into board games or, or honestly, I can see this working great with like D&D or something. Uh, and if you want that kind of visual component, um, I use Roll20 personally for, for my D&D experiences. Do you really? But like, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I've tried I've using used... Roll20. I find it to be just like really, really difficult to kind of get a handle on, but I don't know. It is. I mean, I think like I, this is a separate conversation, but like I, I DM'd a campaign for like close to seven years and like finally wrapped it up in 2019 last year. Yeah. And we used Roll20 kind of as an experiment because I had just moved to Chicago and this is my group of friends in New York City. Like We wanted to keep the game going, but we're like, let's see how it goes. And sure enough, that became like the de facto way to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Roll20 is great for your character sheet and you can make a lot of really awesome macros for like spells and abilities that just automatically do it. So you're not like looking at eight different pieces mm-hmm. of information. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like some stuff, like it, it really can constantly be a pain in the ass. Like I, I would say definitely don't use it. Like in our, in our decade of using it for our campaign, mm-hmm. we always had some issue with the audio. So like use discord for that. Um, yeah. And like, what's cool though is like we would all draw our tokens and various things. So I think like for for map making and for like you know I'm, I'm a proponent of like for D and D specifically not having everything visualized, but just having a, an anchor to like give your mind a sort of a, a, a seed of creativity. So yeah. it's not like you're you're like you know not everything is spelled out for you, but enough is given to you that it doesn't feel too dreamlike. Anyway, uh, back to the tabletop sim. Like I think it's a really cool resource for right now especially which is kind of why i brought it up yeah Um, definitely it runs on most computers too it's worth mentioning like it runs on mac which yeah first of all is important um but outside of that like i i have uh two laptops one of them is the one that i do pretty much everything on and the other one is just like my old laptop that i got before the one that i'm using now and that older laptop like also runs tabletop simulator like well enough it i I have all the settings turned like all the way down but it still allows me to hop into a a game with my friends and play it so um yeah I would I would absolutely recommend Tabletop Simulator if that's kind of the experience you're looking for. The the reason I ended up getting it was a couple of years ago. I and some friends, it, it was like the middle of winter and it had snowed so much that none of us could leave our houses. Uh, but we all wanted to like hang out. Like I think we had planned on hanging out or something. So we all got the Tabletop Simulator at the same time. And um, we did just like the puzzle thing. Like you could just get a puzzle. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and, and when you bring it up, it just asks you how many pieces you want the puzzle to be and what you want the image to be. And you can upload anything you want as the puzzle. Um, so it was just like my friends and I, every night for like a week, we would just like hop on tabletop simulator, just load up like the most like horrific image we could find on Google images (laughs) or on Tumblr or whatever. Um, and then, and then just do a puzzle and like hang out and chat for a couple hours uh, while we finished it up or, um, it was great. It was so fun. It's such a, it's such like a calming and cool time. And, and when, you're actually playing a real board game and it works surprisingly well also yeah it really does and and the root uh whoever made the root game in tabletop did a great great job there are also people apparently making like their own games in tabletop simulator which i know nothing about but that is like a really cool yeah which is where, that's like where i would compare it to, to rpg maker where it's like this game itself is more of a tool than it is a game and Mm -hmm. people are like doing cool stuff with it yeah i wonder what kind of stuff is only possible because it's in tabletop simulator you know like what what stuff can you only do because it's there and not uh not not a physical entity that you can actually like go out and purchase i I wonder what that case is that that'd be very interesting to find out yeah absolutely um and just like real quick i i would also recommend root i think i have before it's like i i i'm very uh novice when it comes to the board game world but like uh you know through zoe and brendan i've experienced a good amount of games and i and i um kind of now know like my tastes are and like root is is a war game but like the design of it is like if bill waterson did Redwall. so like (laughs) it has like really really lovely watercolors um and it's about this forest where there are different the game was released with four different factions uh there were um there are the eerie dynasty which Mm -hmm. are the birds um they're very much like the rito or or you know falco lombardi and they uh they play in an, in an interesting way. If you don't mind me talking about the game a little bit. No, please. Um, uh, if you don't mind me talking on our podcast, what am I doing? Uh, but uh, <laughs> the re- uh, the Rito, Jesus Christ. The Eerie Dynasty, there are a lot of fictional birds and they all kind of look the same. The Eerie Dynasty play in an interesting way where you choose who your leader is. So there are four Eerie leaders. One is like an owl. One is like this kind of uh, dark crystal eagle. Uh, really cool designs. And they basically all are tied to two different actions. So one is like move and build, move and recruit, move and move and battle, something like that. And the way they play is like you have to at the beginning of your turn, every every faction is like every turn is divided into three phases. So there's bird song, daylight, and evening. Um, and what's really nice is that each faction has like a big cardboard mat where it just gives you like the rules of your faction and like how to play your faction and advice on your faction. Because every every faction plays very differently. But with the Eerie, you have to decide how your turn is going to go before it begins. And if you can't fulfill that like goal, you're, you fall into disarray. So like you lose victory points. And it's the kind mm-hmm. of thing where like every faction has a different way of earning victory points in the yeah. first I think to 30 wins so the Eerie are really offensive they can win really quickly but they can also lose just as quickly so they're kind of up and down all the time yeah they can lose victory points as quickly as they gain them and they all start in one corner of the map the roost so they kind of spread from this from this uh one point and the story is that they once controlled the forest they're kind of like an old old like you know kind of like blue lions sort of faction and the marquis de cat the theocratic cats have recently claimed ownership 
of the force. You know who I like. Mm-hmm. Um, they play the most straightforward. They're the kind of faction where they start with one cat in each clearing on the on the forest, and the forest is like beautiful like autumnal scene uh, with like little villages here and there. The honestly my my biggest gripe with the game is that it's so beautiful, but some of the colors are hard to tell apart. So like the eerie pieces are blue and they stand out, you know, right away on the map. But the cats are orange, and like everything in the game is like yellow, orange, or red. And sometimes it's really hard to distinguish yeah. what's what. But anyway, that aside, if it wasn't so beautiful, that would be a bigger issue. But the cats play where like you just build, it's very like Warcraft. Like you build sawmills to make wood to make more buildings. And like it's all kind of industrial where like you're, you're every turn you're making more resources to make more stuff, and that's how you win. It's interesting that like the cats are kind of predispositioned to play a defensive game where you're like, trying to hold what you have and build more stuff there while the birds are trying to take it back. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the outside of that, you got the Woodland Alliance, who are actually my favorite. They uh, don't start with any pieces on the map. They're mice, adding to the Red Wall kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And what they do in the beginning is they spread sympathy to their revolution in each clearing. (laughs) So like, they gain victory points by spreading sympathy. And then once you have sympathy in a clearing and enough resources, you can revolt there, where you remove all the pieces, set up a, a base, and and put a mouse on the map and they're really interesting they kind of like they're the kind of faction that like just blow up at the end if they're not being watched carefully yeah um the game we played zoe was the willow alliance and, and she creamed us like the birds are winning for most of it and then suddenly it was okay i have eight revolutions here uh and then you know <laughs> yeah. and then the vagabond are the fourth core faction they're actually very fun to play too. My elevator pitch for them is like, imagine in the midst of this war game, someone was just playing D&D by themselves. They are a <laughs> raccoon who... Just one? Uh, just one raccoon. You can choose which. There's like okay. a raccoon. There's like other characters, but they're all kind of in that animal family and you choose like what your starting equipment is which gives you your actions so you can choose like boots a sword or whatever and you're going into the different clearings to clear out the dungeons there and you basically like other factions can craft items to trade with you and that's how you get victory points you're kind of like this sort of lone adventurer who's like just sort of trying to to do their own thing in the midst of this and you can choose if you want to ally with the other ones and actually by doing that you can gain like reputation with that faction so it really is like one person is playing this like rpg uh, which is really interesting and it works really well it sounds confusing and honestly this is the kind of game that like the first time you play it everyone is learning how to play their faction and then it's hard to also understand how to play against someone else right yeah um but once you play like one game it's really fun and they've added a lot of other factions which i don't know as well but they've added a lizard cult which i'm very interested in because you know me and <laughs> lizard cults mm-hmm. uh they've added an otter who's kind of like the the lawful good version of the vagabond they're like an otter merchant that sells people stuff and they can also help you go up and down the rivers that you normally couldn't cross and they've also added i think like a crow faction so it's really cool it's just so like charming with the with the design and i think like i i tend to like kind of strategy games like that um and i think it's really cool that it's not just like it's not all about fighting like there is battling and stuff but like every faction is trying to win in a different way it's almost like you're playing a different game but they all kind of combine in this really fun way yeah i just it just takes some time to like understand that but it's it's a blast i would highly recommend it and the good news is that the tabletop version of it is like really well done yeah, um, yeah. So, so it, it works well in, in simulator and, and you have absolutely a good time. 
Honestly, some of some parts of it are even more helpful because like it organizes all your like tokens. So like with my cats, I have like wood and different buildings and like they all kind of like I can just drag from one point and put them on the map somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it helps to kind of organize your cards like in your hand and and uh, everyone has like a board like, you know, the the mat you have for your faction is laid out in a really fun way. And you can just hit alt to like look at it up on the screen anytime. Yeah, it works really well. It works surprisingly well. Cool. Yeah. Um, on my end, I, I weirdly have also played two tabletop games recently uh, between the last time we recorded and now. And I'll just kind of talk about them very, very quickly uh, so we can move on. But uh, one of them is called The Quiet Year, which is a, a map building game, which I love, love, love. I play it with uh, my friends pretty frequently. But um, it is literally like uh, the game you're supposed to play before you start a D&D campaign. So you're creating mm. the world that you're playing D&D in. Um, oh, cool. And, and the way it works is uh, everybody, there's like one giant piece of paper in the middle of everyone uh, and you continue to draw cards and the cards will say things like a new person shows up to town. Uh, everybody loves them or a new person shows up to town and uh, the community revolts against their presence uh, and you have to figure out a way to, uh, you know, the person who draws the card both decides between those two things and then has to figure out a way to draw that on the map. And you will continually like draw cards that will have like those kinds of questions on them. And at the end of every turn, you can either discover a new thing. So you can draw a completely new thing on the map. Um, you can hold a discussion, which is literally just like you hold a town hall with everybody else who's playing. And you say like, hey, there are these mountains off to the west. Like maybe we should go explore those. Maybe not. I don't know. And then everybody kind of like throws out their ideas for what they should do with the mountains. You don't come to a conclusion. You don't. I think the thing that it says in the, in the rules is like these kinds of discussions are usually messy and, and don't have like clear outcomes and that's just how communities work uh so don't ever expect a resolution uh from those kinds of conversations and then the third thing you can do is start a project so say you had had a discussion the previous turn um you could then be like okay i want to send people out to the mountains to go explore them how long is that going to take and everybody decides like okay that's going to take three turns or four turns or whatever and then when that's done whoever started that project can then say like it worked or it didn't work and here's what happened and whatever so you're kind of like improvising a story while also drawing a map that you can then play other games in later which i find my friends and i just draw maps over and over and over again we never play an actual campaign in them um, <laughs> but it's really fun and we were playing through like because I, j I just bought the game i bought like a pdf of the game so i had like technically what all the cards were on my end and then and then my friend uh pablo give you a shout out had the actual cards on his end so he was drawing the cards for us uh and then telling us what we were getting uh, and then we were drawing the map in like, I don't even know what it's called, but it was kind of like an online version of Photoshop that was like free mm, um, yeah, where yeah. a bunch of people can draw on it simultaneously. Uh, so we were all able to like draw the map together. So that was really fun. The other one I'll just like completely skate by, but it's a board game that I loved that I had never heard of before, but I really enjoyed playing it. It was called Seven Wonders. Have you heard of it? Mm, no, I haven't. It is like, I would recommend like Googling the box or something. It is just Civilization, the the video game turned into a board game. Like it oh, is, wow. it is such a, clear adaptation and it is so well executed um the the idea is instead of your instead of like okay i am uh i'm germany and i'm i'm building up you know germany or whatever or i'm i'm the united states and building up the united states uh you pick one of the seven wonders of the world and you and your civilization have to like build that wonder up uh so like okay i have the hanging gardens of babylon and and that gives me a bunch of like weird things that i can do and you're trading with people and you're you're building up like armies and stuff it is so civilization and you can win in a million different ways just like in civilization highly recommended and is probably in tabletop simulator i imagine so uh just wrap yeah. all of that into a tabletop simulator recommendation yeah it's
it's and like it, it's just so limitless in its potential. I think it's a really really cool resource, and it's also like you know that it's twenty bucks, and you're essentially getting access to any board game ever. Is like kind of amazing, <laughs> yeah. you know. It does take some getting used to, it. and it it did crash on me a couple times. Like I I got kicked out of the server. I imagine because it's just so busy right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, but like definitely worth getting if you if you're hankering for a board game or or some kind of tabletop game. Uh, it's it's a wonderful resource to have. Yeah, knowing AJ, this is driving him crazy hearing us talk about board <laughs> games. AJ, our producer, is a big board game fan. Yeah, yeah, pro- he's yeah he is uh. He's also my my like window into that world as well. Yeah, it'd be cool to, to revisit or to visit more board games like every now and then on the show. I think it'd be kind of fun. I think so too. Um, I can circle back yeah. to uh, my my fourteen hour experience playing Twilight Imperium <laughs> someday. I still think about that. Yeah, yeah. I also uh, the game that like got me more into board games was Cosmic Encounter, which I could always talk about. Uh, that game is so ridiculous. I love it. Um, and probably is a good one to play on Tabletop Simulator because that's a game that like, whereas Root was a lot of fun and it was great, it's a game that you really have to focus because there's so many things happening. Yeah. Which I enjoyed that as well, but but uh, Cosmic Encounter is like deceptively easy and like, uh, as my friend Brendan put it, like really encourages like a lot of table talk and a lot of like discussion and even leaves some room to role play. Like there's the... I love just the drama and and ceremony of like flipping the card to reveal what alien you are, and they're all <laughs> no, none of them are cool. They're all just, they're all like scribbles in some dude's notebook in the seventies. Like it's they're so funny. <laughs> they range from like the amoeba. There's one called the loser, and it's like a strange alien cat that has the power to lose. Um, <laughs> it's incredible. There's one alien that like gives you bonuses if you whine about not winning. It's like if you complain and. And say like this game's unfair you cheated you get bonus points <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so good that game is incredible uh, could not recommend cosmic encounter enough that's a game too that like literally no matter what your interest is in board games anytime i play that game with people everyone who has played it ends up buying it everyone mm-hmm. like everyone buys their own copy of it it's so good highly recommend easily one of my favorites Cool. Uh, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Once you get me talking about Cosmic Encounter, I can't stop. It's my Fire Emblem Three Houses of the board game world. <laughs> okay, sure. All right. Yeah, let's get out of here. This is hell. <laughs> Every now and then, I the door I, on this I segment. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else. Goodbye. Steven, it's time. We're back. <laughs> Living a little... A little. I am working on the harmony because I I think it's just reading Rainbow. <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think we're gonna get sued or anything. I just think you know we could be a little bit more creatively tenacious. We'll work it out. Can we just talk I about mean, how big fans we are of Levar Burton? Oh, honestly, I am. Yeah, I've been me watching too. Uh, some of his streams of of uh, he's been reading like kids books recently on Twitter. Yeah, um, it's awesome. It's great. And other like you know more general audience books too but yeah he's great i mean we're both huge star trek fans as well yeah this is not us don't don't sue us (laughs) i'm gonna say this is this is genuine it's not us being like lavar please i'm sorry (laughs) don't sue us for living a little no i doubt he would he's he's too kind he's too nice of a man yeah Anyway, uh, aside from our love of LeVar Burton, uh, we're back and living a little. It's a uh, section of our show devoted entirely to Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> uh, a game that might have not only outsold Pokemon, but may may have now 
in terms of like hours on our show overtaken Sword and Shield in terms of like game talked about. Definitely. I don't know if it we'll ever hit Fire Emblem Three Houses levels, but it's possible. <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses is at a point where like Larry David and Seinfeld in the nineties, every rerun of Seinfeld they got two million dollars. Yeah, right. Uh, which is insane. Fire Emblem Three Houses is just like spoken in a, in a in a hushed whisper every episode, even if it's not the topic. So yeah, it's it's gonna be hard to top that. But here we are. Uh, we have a lot of updates, oddly enough, since we l- did our bonus episode about it. Which was like four um, days ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ironically, you know, on, on that episode, I said that I, I had kind of reverted to a style of play where I was just sort of checking in every day for an hour. Right. But Which, I as recently, we talked about before the game came out, is like kind of where every Animal Crossing game ends up in everybody's lives eventually. That point where you're just kind of checking in and like digging up fossils and just like doing all the daily stuff generally uh for the most part and i think this game as you're about to mention is starting to encourage maybe playing more than that i I think i think the developers have kind of like designed the game around avoiding that if possible yeah i guess and it's not that it's it's a bad routine to get into i think you inherently need that kind of break but i started giving myself projects so uh the first was outside my house. I'm on the southern, the southeastern edge of, of New Jersey. My backyard originally was, um, I had used a Zen fence around this small area where there were two trees of each uh, uh, fruit that wasn't native to my island. So my island grows cherries, so I had two pear trees, two orange trees, and so yeah. on. Instead of that fence, I now kind of terraform like kind of a little park with like, so there's water on the edge and then there's a waterfall in the middle and they're kind of like laid out in sort of a parallel way. Really cool. And it took me a while and I really like it. And it's more open now because I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to be like my backyard. No one's allowed. You know, <laughs> I want it to be something that everyone can enjoy because it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. Um, I want Lily Elvis and uh, Billy and Muffy to enjoy it as well. And, <laughs> and, the, and the West Coast villagers as well. So did that. And then another big, I, I found an arc, a, a retro arcade video game in the nook and cranny. Um, it was sixty five thousand bells. It was expensive. Yeah. Oh, so you have uh, you have the upgrade at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, I should say that. Yeah. The the man. I, I think I might have mentioned this in the past, but like things are so much more expensive now. My my analogy is like if your like local hardware store became a crate and barrel overnight, I just can't afford. <laughs> like it looks nice, I just can't afford fucking anything. Yeah. Um. So, but I did spend my life savings on this, on this like Galaga machine basically. Mm -hmm. And then it hit me. I'm like, my island is New Jersey. I need a Jersey boardwalk arcade. I, I, so in this time, especially, and now that summer's on the horizon, uh, I, I planned on visiting in March and I, and I have plans to visit in July. I don't know if I I imagine that will also be canceled, but that's kind of far enough away that we're waiting and seeing. Yeah. Um, but I, a summer tradition for me and my dad well into college was to go, uh, cause he lives in Philly and we would go to South Jersey go to the boardwalk and the beaches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that is also where all the arcades were. So like my only real experience with arcade culture is on the boardwalk and we awesome. would, every summer to kind of usher in the new school year, we would go and play time crisis three and house of the dead two. <laughs> uh, 
my dad would have like a bag of quarters, like way too much money. And he would, I don't think my dad has ever sworn, but he was like, we're going to beat this fucker. Like I have all these quarters. <laughs> we're going to beat House of the Dead too. Yeah. And we did it. We like That's went awesome. into that weird booth that like God knows what's in there. And we beat House of the Dead 2 and Time Crisis 3. That, that game was a little better because House of the Dead 2, you're inevitably just going to spend money like yeah. left and right. There's no way to really like beat that game unscathed. But Time Crisis, there's a little bit of skill because you have to pedal. So like with enough practice, you don't have to spend too much money to, to beat that game. Yeah. Um, time, time Crisis is the one, the pedal allows you to duck, right? So you're like ducking away from, uh, from fire. It's actually, so you're ducking by default. And then if you press on the pedal, you get out of oh, cover. Oh, okay. So it's the opposite. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, one of the earliest games to incorporate cover-based shooting. And honestly, one of the best examples of it, I would argue. I, all, I, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, oddly enough, too, one of the first games Yoko Taro worked on. I think he was like just on the team. That's incredible. Uh, the hell to make it. Yeah. That so. weirdly makes sense. It does. <laughs> it does. It has that kind of sense of irreverence that I, I I don't know if he was at all creatively in charge, but he was he one of his first games was uh, in a time crisis series. Anyway, I miss that. I miss that that boardwalk arcade vibe. So I made my own. So I, 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 I carved out a lot of the cliffs on the western coast of New Jersey. I built a, a wooden walkway mm-hmm. and I, I had a rope fence. Uh, and two floor lights, and a. Ju- I have Papa and Mama Panda. Uh, <laughs> yes, and Papa Panda is huge. Gigantic, so like, yeah. as you're as you're walking, you just see like in the horizon this giant bear lit by like neon lights. You're like, what is that? It's the arcade man. You get there, and there is currently two Galaga machines. Uh, a weird plant. I want it to kind of look kind of sketchy. Uh, a plant. There's a uh, pinball machine that my friend Emily sent me. Mm-hmm. She's also making an arcade, and she went like full Chuck E. Cheese with it. It has that weird carpet with the like '90s squiggles. Yeah. Perfect. So I got a pinball machine from her, and I sent her an arcade machine as a trade. And in the back, I have a basketball hoop, and uh, KK Dixie is playing on the radio, kind of like a, a free throw competition mm-hmm. with like different effect boxes and an air conditioning unit as well. Um, <laughs> And it's just like a dream. Like it's so much fun to give yourself your own projects in that game. And yeah. like, you know, I there's incentive with like the island star rating. Like I'm still at three stars. I'm like, man, like, okay, like what do I want to make? And what's I do want to keep enough like natural landscape in the island, but I'm like, I have two thirds of this island that's that's just trees and rocks. I right. can do something else with it. Totally. Another thing I added was a oh, uh, north of the shop because that was the most the least utilized area in the upper cliffs i actually made steel stairs coach lives on there gave him a barbecue satellite dish and a pool this is the best dad <laughs> on the island and i also have a secret i made i i put diy workbenches in various key points of the island so i'm never like rushing back to use them so like I have a little like makeshift campsite in the very north in the highest cliff with the and I always use the tree trunk one. I love the tree trunk one. Yeah, unless me too. it's in a more industrial area. But north of the the first layer of of, uh, of cliffs, I made a bridge from the shop to the first layer, and there's nothing there. Uh, it, it, it's just trees. I'm like, let me put something here. So I I use the uh, terracotta floor tiles. I think it's what it's called. Yep. And I made like a little farmer's market. So I set up stands. Oh, I customized nice. them all. So I have, a, I have a stand with waves on it. I have like a green stand. And what, what that is, is I'm just putting fish on one stand and bugs on one stand. DIY recipes on one. And, uh, you know, every like genre of thing. 
I have a stand for, for people that like, it's like, okay, I don't want to sell this, but maybe someone else needs it. So for visitors of the island, they can like take and leave stuff from those stands. Cool. Um, and I have a radio playing KK, My Place, which is kind of a reggae yes. song. Yeah. So, and I just feel so, <laughs> I just feel so fulfilled giving myself these projects and like, whether or not it gives me a star, I don't care. I, I really like them. And I have more things go- that that was the first like big okay I give myself new projects but recently we we both played the May Day event and I also I, I mustered up the courage to go back to Harv's Island I'm not sure if I should save that for later because I've been talking for a while I want to hear what you're up to <laughs> but just planting the seed of those events later on yeah uh, yeah my my island ha- hasn't really uh, grown in a huge way I, I built a cafe um, like an outdoor cafe up in the cliffs recently that I'm like very happy with uh, it's very quaint there's a big tree growing in the middle of it it's really nice um, but it, you know every time it rains I'm like this is this is awful I wish I could put a roof on this or something <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't think this one through I always feel really yeah. bad yeah I'm, I'm kind of in a situation where there's like a lot of space that I've devoted to an eventual project, but I don't know what that's going to be yet. Um, I have an idea for like an outdoor library at some point that would go like next to the museum. Um, I still have, I think, three villagers that I can invite to my island. So I have like a bunch of space I need to leave open for that. Um, but like I just uh, we talked about this during the bonus episode, but when Leaf came for the first time and I and I finally was able to get shrubs, like for some reason that was the lightning bolt for me. And I started putting paths down and like my island went from being completely rural, completely like New Leaf era uh, Animal Crossing to like starting to become a little bit more developed. Uh, so, so now I'm just trying to like figure out what that next step is. Uh, I just built the second floor in my house, uh, which I'm very excited about. So so I'm going to move the bedroom from my back room, the first room that you build upstairs. So I'm going to kind of spread that out more. And then I think I'm going to turn that back room into some kind of like outdoor like garden, I think. Like it's going to look <laughs> like it's outside. Uh, it'll have like like a grill or something. Like I'm not really sh- sure what I'm going to do there. But it'll be it'll be some kind of like outdoor seating area patio thing, I think, is the plan, which I'm very excited about. So that, that'll be pretty cool. Uh, and eventually I have been collecting arcade stuff so I could build an arcade in the basement. But now I'm kind of like iffy on it. I have I have a couple arcade things maybe I can send you just to help yours out at least. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever you want to do. I was laughing because I'm like, I kind of maybe understand what rich people go through now where it's like, hmm, I already have a kitchen and a bathroom. Yeah. What if this room was just for King Tut? Like, you know, <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if this? This room was just dirt and paintball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, my house is is in most need of renovation because I've I've spent so much money on the the iron bridges. Man, I, I had the Very iron expensive. bridges and the iron steps, and I could have had like a mansion at this point. I didn't realize my friend Emily taught me this. When you upgrade your house enough, you can also customize the outside of it. Yeah, which is a huge incentive for me because like I like my house, but it looks kind of you know, pedestrian. Um, so, uh, so that'll be the next project is, is to save up money. And like, I've been, I've been buying turnips. I haven't been like, I don't have the app that people do that like gives them that, but like, yeah, you're, also, so you're, you're not big into the stock market, right? That's not really your thing. I don't know what it is. I think like, I know that it's like supremely helpful and like literally all my friends are millionaires now because of it. Yeah. I mean, um, I've, I'm I in like them. five or six different chats across different apps tracking turnip prices at all times where we're like all pooling resources together. Like my risk mitigation is just incredible considering how many different turnip portfolios I've invested in. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I, I don't know. I made I don't a know ton what of is. money. I just, I, I kind of just like the gamble of it. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I mean, 
if any of my friends, I'm in, you know, my various chats, like if one of us has high prices, we'll let the other one know. But that's kind of where it stops. I don't need to like go on the deep web for it. But I understand why. Like it, it also just gives you abilities to like make everything you want faster. But I don't mind like waiting on that, to be honest, especially because like I I'm still playing like a lot of Persona and a lot of other games. So like, it, you know, if I was like just playing Animal Crossing and like waiting, I would probably do that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't mind waiting. Yeah, I I'm kind of in a halfway point there because I kind of limit the amount of turnips that I'll buy every week. So I'm only spending 250,000 bills on turnips every week. Oh man, you have so much more money than me. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. That's, that's I my, spend my that's life my savings limit. on a Galaga machine. So don't, don't buy, don't mind me. <laughs> um, that, that's my limit per week. And I know some people who are buying literally like a million, two million dollars worth of turnips every week, which like I would, I would never do. So yeah. I, I'm kind of like, uh, like rate limiting myself or my own wealth increase in that way where it's like this is a comfortable amount where I don't have to like get rid of my tools so I'm only carrying you know 40 bundles of turnips to somebody else's island uh you know it's just like it's like a comfortable amount to to carry and and fuck around with um and if the return is high enough then I can make like a million or two million off of it um but like last week I made I I think I I invested 250,000 and I walked away with like just under 900,000 so you know, I'm I'm not like going through the moon, but like through the various chats that I have, we're at least like tracking stuff closely enough that we kind of know who's gonna hit and when. I had a point where my island was the one that hit, and and turnips were selling for just under 700 bells, um, Jesus. which meant that everybody showed up and walked away with like five, six, seven million bells, uh, which was kind I don't of a know, wild time. I don't know if I'm ever gonna go full Wall Street on this, but I do think. Uh, I should probably invest a little bit more because I'm thinking about my day today. Hearing you say all this, hearing you be like, you know, to remain to remain like above the bear market, I, I invested a, a modest two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. I just sold all my hardwood to send someone a poster of Elvis. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I should invest in the stock market. I would recommend it, uh, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so what else is new? Is that is that the major update for you, Alan? Because I want to talk about. Uh, I'll talk briefly about um, my return to Harv's Island, and then we could go into May Day if that works for you. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have too much else uh, to update. I lost a villager and gained a new one in Ozzy, <gasps> the the uh, the koala who is just incredible. Uh, Ozzy showed up and was sick for three days, and now is hanging out, which is fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He moved in somewhere recently, then. Oh yeah, I think we talked about it during time. the bonus. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah. he's he's the last person to have joined my island. Um, but yeah, since then May Day has been kind of the big thing. So uh, let's talk about Harv's Island because I can't believe you went back. <laughs> Somebody asked in the bonus episode like what our experience with Harv's Island was, and we've talked about it in the past. But like, just a horrific place. And you you recently have gone back <laughs> to visit the cabin one in the of, woods. One of us had to, because yeah, you go to Harv's Island. Uh, Harvey, I it's sort of a, a, a Greek tragedy because I <laughs> in in the promo material saw Harvey and I was like, who is this dog? I love him. Yeah, love his like hippie vibe and the mustache. Like it's just a genius design. And uh, then he showed up in New Jersey one day, walking around. I'm like, oh my God, Harvey's here. Is he going to move in? And he was like, hey, you should come to my island sometime. Again, the 30 Rock rule, never follow a hippie to a second location. But I did. Uh, and it's Harv's Island. And it's like, like you said, it's Cabin in the Woods. It's 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 any kind of horror movie setup. Uh, and you walk in. And, it, and I think what it is, is, is it's musicless. You walk into this house and you only hear the sound of your own footsteps. There's the like... <laughs> The room that, that, you know, you, you, 
<laughs> you described it very very apt last time but like it looks like a porn set right like it just yeah. that's you walk immediate. in there's a couch and some studio lights and one very sketchy looking <laughs> like yeah, 1998 camcorder <laughs> pointing at the couch it is just awful that coupled with no music is just like Silent Hill levels of of nervousness. I very um, I very seriously can't believe it got approved. Like it is so yeah. in the back yeah. in the in the back room it's just a brick placed. It's brick floors, brick yeah. walls, like a comedian's nightmare. Uh-huh. And then the basement literally is like wall padding, like you know, Hannibal Lecter yeah. being pulled away. And then upstairs is like a baby room <laughs> with like clouds and like <laughs> everything. So, and and when you first get there, he explains what, essentially what it is: is it's photo mode in, in a in a confined environment. But like, I didn't really understand how it worked like at all. And I and I thought that like, okay, are these the only like these these are the five places I can take picture? Hannibal Lecter, hell brick room porn set or baby room <laughs> that's not like <laughs> right, right i don't right. want any of this but what i realized and and what turned me around is is our friend sadie took that really lovely royal tenenbaum's picture with her whole island i'm like oh man like and and so many people have been so creative with like you know making videos and 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 just like you can do so much there and i and i was okay let me go back i i owe it to the game and to myself to see what's available here yeah um and it's actually really cool so all all those rooms you can i don't know about the the 90s porn set but every other room you can fully change the wallpaper and and flooring right it's um, everything that it's you've a, ever owned it's every yeah anything that's in your catalog you don't have to pay for it you could just like pull it out of of like a a kind of storage thing in Harv's Island and you can use every wallpaper you've ever owned, every piece of furniture you've ever owned. You can bring all your villagers in. You can set them all up however you want. Uh, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. I just am so creeped out by it that I don't want to go there. <laughs> but once I realized how to do it, so let me take a group picture. Uh, originally, my idea was to go into the brick room and <laughs> put, a, put a bunch of brick oven pizzas and just have everyone in New, in New Jersey posing. Um, but, but I quickly realized I had the ringside arena wallpaper paper and and i was like what if new jersey had a resident band what if the Mm -hmm. residents here started a band yeah and and it was as if i was a vessel for this thing that already existed and i like spent maybe an hour and a half like making this photo that i shared online yeah and the discord so what i did was i had the ringside arena the paintball floor so it kind of looks like a like a punk stage uh like a basement show or maybe like a you know Whatever. It looks like a concert. It reminds me a lot of uh, me as a senior in high school driving around New Jersey <laughs> looking for like underground <laughs> concerts to go to. Yes, exactly. So it's like, okay, who's in this band? Elvis had to be the lead singer. Elvis, the cranky lion villager, had to be the lead singer for so many reasons. He he is just has has a star power about him that he doesn't want. <laughs> which which is really enticing. So he has that sort of like edge to him. Yeah. Undeniably talented though, and does sing a lot. He and Muffy are the two villagers that will just go into the town square and sing constantly. And sing. Yeah. Not to mention Elvis's clear parallel to Elvis Presley. So I'm like, he's destined to be on the mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also only had so many instruments, which I'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so I had the silver mic and I and I had him on the mic. And what I did was you can you can change with their uh, all your emotes you can have going on. So I made him look shocked. So it looks like he's yelling into the mic. Yeah. In kind of like a, you know, tenacious way. 
on the guitar we had Lily. I'm like, this band needs a rock, and Lily is that. Mm-hmm. Like she I love that. has star power as well. Kind of like a noodle from Gorillas vibe for her there in this in this band. Yeah. And uh, I gave her a guitar space parka. I changed all their fashion too. So uh Elvis had this had this black vest and a red shirt. Perfect. Uh Lily's on guitar with a space parka and by a pedal board and uh the crowd's going wild. I did not have a drum set, but I knew Coach had to be the drummer. Mm-hmm. Um so Coach is the jo- the jock bull. So I made him the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, uh, <laughs> Originally it was a wooden fish and a recycled thumb harmonica yeah. uh, whatever the thing is but I was like okay I need I need perc- I need a percussionist or at least just beats so I had uh coach as the DJ so I had a DJ set in the back and he has you know a shirt that says hollow no not the hollow shirt that's what I was wearing he has some shirt and and really cool sunglasses and he's on the DJ set uh, and then of course on the xylophone uh I have Bardo Bardo is in a sports blazer over the t-shirt Mm-hmm. Biggie three energy yeah and he's playing the xylophone but i imagine he refers to them as keys <laughs> so he's on the xylophone the hit keys the hit keys and everyone else including myself is in the crowd um and it came out a really well it's a really it good looks awesome picture. it's really good yeah maybe it'll, maybe it'll um, be the episode art this week because it's like i yeah. just love it so much yeah um originally it's a little bit tough to capture all their reactions because what happens is when you're kind of in like creative mode you can give everyone these reactions but then when you actually pull out your phone and take the picture they revert back so it still worked out fine and most importantly i have uh you know the crowd getting into it and elvis screaming into the mic so but what's really creepy is that i left so in that moment like harv's island is actually great i love this but what happens is when you leave the room all your villagers are in the other room and they're all just looking at you and you can't interact with them they're like weird clones <laughs> yeah that like, don't it's talk very to you. scary yeah it's very scary so i left um but what's great is that when you leave he uh harv harvey gives you the ability to buy posters of all your villagers so I sent you a Bardo poster. Yeah, whatever villager you have in the studio in Harv's Island, uh, you can mm. then make a poster for. So I, I the first time I ever went to Harv's Island, just like trying to figure it out, put Lucky in there, uh, and it was it was too scary, so I just left. Um, just like the clone <laughs> of Lucky, but that's that's why Lucky is the only poster I can send right now. Oh yeah, I, I have all of them, so I can send. And uh, I had two requests for an Elvis poster, so I sent those out. Um, but you got the Bardo one. I'm sorry. It's okay. The Bardo one is perfect. It's gonna go up in your bedroom. <laughs> you like say a prayer to it every night. <laughs> Please keep me safe. I love how you play the keys. The hit Honestly, keys. the thing I'll ask the listeners like, I I need a band name for that crew. I don't know what they're called, but they need a band name. Oh yeah. Um, Dear listeners, you know, please so- name this band. Please name this band. I'll give you a challenge. And it can't Please be the, the Hit band. Keys, even though that's a pretty good name. <laughs> that is a really good name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lily on guitar, Elvis on vocals, Coach on the DJ kit, and Bardo on xylophone. Please give us a name. I do like that they okay. have programmed drums. That makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine they're kind of industrial then, I guess. They're kind of like a rock uh, electronica hybrid. Yeah, I'm imagining like a kind of more aggressive LCD sound system. Yeah, yeah, almost like a Nine Inch Nails kind of vibe. Yeah. But with xylophone. <laughs> Man, the xylophone sticks out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, okay. you kind of need a, you need like, a, I don't want to say a gimmick, but you kind of need a gimmick, you know what I mean? And like... You got to get a gimmick. You know, yeah. James Murphy had the cowbell and, and, and your band now has the xylophone. 
I imagine Elvis, Lily, and Coach were doing a set one night, and Berto was in the crowd, and he was like, "Hey, look, I have I have a rainy day fund that I would love to invest in your band's future." <laughs> But can I also be in the band? And they're like, I don't know, man. Like, I guess. Like, but they said yes because it's their ticket to fame. He does have connections, mm-hmm. uh, but that's why he's on the xylophone. He's like their producer who like wanted to be in the band, right? Yeah, and it worked that's out. How it happened? It worked out perfectly. Um, Do you think they're a hit? Do you think they're touring? I think they're a hit on the island. They're not like they're they're not KK Slider levels of fame, but I think that they're doing well on this island. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think they will be. I think Elvis. I think Elvis, Coach, and Lily have have huge star power. I think Berto is kind of the Ringo of the group. He's like a little bit out of place, but you also need that, you know. And in a Fab Four, I think I think uh, Lily is definitely the the George. Uh, Coach is the Paul, and Elvis is the John. And then you got Ringo. Yeah. Um. So um, Lily's got a very promising solo career ahead of her. Coach is gonna do songs like "Everybody Have Fun Tonight," like Paul McCartney does. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and Elvis is kind of the 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 brooding artistic type. But we'll also have they're all they all have good solo careers except for Berto. <laughs> <laughs> he needs the band to survive. Yeah. And anyway, he paid his way in like um, Pearson Community. <laughs> Please give this band a name. I love this fan fiction. Uh, and real quick, let's touch on May Day because that was the that was the event that we built. My voice is horribly cracked, but anyway. Uh, speaking of senior year of high school, uh, seeing shows in New Jersey, uh-huh. um, the Meat Locker. That's a shout out to one person. <laughs> shout out to one person. That's a good band name, actually. Uh, but um, yeah, so May Day happened. We both did it. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I thought it was great. I, yeah, I thought it was a really cool I had event. no idea this was coming. I mean, I knew that there was the, the Nature Day event, which is going, I think, for the next week or so. Um, pretty much every, we, we talked about this in the bonus episode, but every day you wake up and there's a new Nook Miles Plus quest that's just like, hey, do this thing that's like earthy. Uh, like give, a, give somebody a flower as a gift or plant a shrub or like plant a new tree or transplant a tree from one place to another. Things like that, uh, which is cool. I didn't realize that there was another uh, secondary event that was going to happen, but on May 1st, I, I loaded up the game and Isabel was like, hi, it's May Day, which means that it's the first day of May. Uh, come visit Tom Nook. He has a gift for you. So I went and talked to Tom Nook and he uh, he gave me a ticket that was the, the May Day ticket, which uh, I, have having not really heard of May Day or didn't really know that that was the situation, did not understand that May Day was not like the plane is going down May Day, May Day, May Day, but like <laughs> was actually a thing that existed. So he gives you a ticket and then you bring it to Dodo Airlines and Dodo Airlines is like, cool, we're going to take you to like a special island that Tom Nook has put together for you. And I was like, this sounds like a murder situation. Like also. a trap. This yes. is Harv's Island all over again. Yeah, he, what if it's just Harv's Island? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Thanks for coming back. You go, oh, you go back and Wilbur's not at the dock anymore. The plane's oh, just no. gone. You're just stuck there. That's, that's actually very scary. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. All your villagers are here. They just can't talk, but they won't stop looking at you. Yeah. Uh. So you show up at, at this island and it turns out that it's a maze. It's very much like, um, I don't remember the name of the island from Breath of the Wild, uh, but you know what I'm talking about where they take all your tools yeah. away. Yeah. There's the shrine where you're just kind of literally starting from scratch. Yeah, yeah you, I, f- I felt the same way about it. Yeah, you, you have nothing and you have to go through this maze and th- throughout the maze you're collecting uh, different tools and different uh, ingredients to build more tools and you're also collecting fruit so you can like uh, power yourself up to uh, smash rocks or lift trees up from the ground uh, and things like that, which uh, creates for a really kind of fun time. So you're going through this maze and, and there are like kind of optional side paths you can go down that'll get you bell vouchers 
monsters so you can collect them and then trade them in for money and at the end of it you meet rover who uh is the the cat that starts every other animal crossing game except this one he's usually the one who's like sitting on the train who asks you a bunch of questions that decides what your face looks like uh yeah in this case he's just like oh yeah i I just ended up here he just told me to like like tom nook just told me to hang out and wait uh but you know congrats on doing the maze here's the thing and he gives you a briefcase with like a bunch of stickers on it when you're done um yeah it was really cool i had no idea it was coming and then uh it just happened and i did it and it was a great time it was also like a pretty tough puzzle it took me it took me a couple tries to get it right because like there are trees blocking a path and you start the first thing you find is a shovel almost like zelda like it gave me zelda vibes like you had to i had to go around and then eat cherries so I can dig up trees, but then I had to find an axe and build one to progress. So it was a tough puzzle, but it was really fun. And I think that this is another thing that might plant a lot of creative ideas for people. I remember in New Leaf, a lot of people almost made their own games in the dream. The dream suite. Yeah. A lot of people made like horror games specifically. They would make like a weird house that was kind of like a like almost walking simulator narrative yeah. game. Uh, and I imagine this this event might inspire an idea of people either making their islands some type of maze or some type of like game that you can visit and play like, you know, with the hedges and stuff. It's a really cool idea. Yeah, I could see that um, happening eventually, honestly. Um, I, yeah. From what I've understood. So I, I don't want to say too much because it might be like potential i don't know if this is spoilery or whatever but like Uh um people have been doing uh like kind of deep dives into the update code that's been coming out um and and doing what's called data mining and like finding out some stuff that's like on the horizon so like people kind of had a good idea that red the fox and and the art section of the museum was going to show up like a week or two before that ended up happening because it was in the code um or like there was some hints that it would be uh showing up in the code and apparently the dream suite might make a return in some way which is kind of that'd be awesome um, yeah. So I, I'm excited to see if that happens. Uh, also, this just reminded me, um, I did an incredible thing yesterday in Animal Crossing. A friend of mine who I went to the Renaissance Fair, the New York Renaissance Fair with uh, a couple of years ago, just like a bunch of us went together. Um, she was like bummed that the Renaissance Fair wasn't happening again this year because of, you know, everything. Uh, so she built the Renaissance Fair on her island with like a costume shop. She did tarot readings. There was like even down to like the porta potties like that were tucked away in the back to like not break the immersion. <laughs> like everything was there. It was so cool. Um, it was just like a really, really fun time where like me and seven other people showed up on the island just like dressed to the nines and like Renaissance adjacent uh, outfits. And we just kind of like ran around. There was like jousting even where uh, there was like an arena where two people had to pick up a net and it was like the cool like black net. <laughs> Um, and, and whoever could hit the other person with the net ended up winning. Uh, it was so fun. It was a really cool time. And I, I, I've just really enjoyed seeing people's ingenuity in, in that way. Um, I, I think this game allows for so much more creativity than any of the previous games, just because you can put furniture outside like that, that has yeah. like changed this game forever, uh, in, in a way that I think we've talked about a lot, but most switch Nintendo IPs, uh, have, you know, that, that decision by itself has changed this franchise forever. Yeah. There, there's, there's so much creative agency and I think it's like, I think the, the, uh, when and why inspiration strikes in this game is a really magical thing. Like not only you find this might be kind of corny, but like every morning when you find fossils and find like material goods and stuff, I feel like you're also have the chance of like just finding something that like we said in the past just triggers a new idea. Yeah. Like me getting that arcade system, like made me want to build an arcade. Right. Uh, and, and now, now having done this maze, I'm like, Oh, like what kind of paths or situations can I like construct in my Island in some way? Yeah. Um, is there like, you know, on, on around, 
autumn is there going to be like a cornfield maze or like you know whatever right right uh, or uh, not a cornfield maze but you know what i'm talking about like a okay. haystack yeah. thing that was a big thing in jersey for some reason we were like every every autumn like around halloween my family and i would do like a one of those things like one of the nearby farms yeah same here um yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, but May Day was awesome. And, and honestly, like, just more and more proof that this game is going to be kept alive in such a really unique way. Outside of even, like, big events, like, there's just always new stuff coming out. Yeah, even something um, small like this that's just like, hey, you, you get a ticket and you go to an island and it's like a, a little tiny maze. Like, that, that is enough. I think in this kind of yeah. case where like you could, you could play through this game and not have anything change for five days. And that on that sixth day, having something like the May day event happen and you just get like a cool briefcase at the end of it. Like awesome. That's great. Also kind of surprising. I didn't expect there to be another seasonal event so quickly after bunny day. I was expecting it to like be like the summer or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, just, there's always something to look forward to in this game. And that's, what's so nice to, to experience uh, to like, even something as horrific as bunny day, the fact that it was like a, new thing that came and went yeah makes this game feel very special um totally yeah i loved it uh should we move on let's move on but that was living a little thanks for joining us uh living a little tm (laughs) 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 thank you lavar burton for not suing us thank you lavar i can be anything take a look it's tom nook on new jersey <laughs> oh my god new jersey <laughs> i love when i make you cringe all right see you yeah, in hell i loved it that's a love cringe steven we're back i want to tell you about a weird purchase that i made recently okay uh What's up? so you actually mentioned this before we started recording but a, a friend of mine at work mentioned that streets of rage 4 was coming out yeah and and wanted to play it with uh myself and some co-workers i couldn't do that because if we recall uh flashback to earlier episodes uh, we'll go all the way back uh one of the earliest episodes was me selling my xbox because i needed rent money uh, so I didn't have an Xbox One anymore. I eventually got another one because I found a very strange Black Friday deal that involved getting a Nintendo Switch and an Xbox One S for like $300 for both, which seemed very sketchy, but it ended up working out. Um, the one problem was that the controller that came with it didn't allow me to uh, talk to people through a headset. Like the, the headset jack in the thing was busted, so I couldn't use it. So I, for some reason, on a whim uh, and and also partially as uh, kind of an investment in next gen, ended up getting the Xbox Elite Controller Series 2, which um, <laughs> is a very, it's the first time I've ever bought like a very expensive, like high, I guess high-end controller uh, for a video game system, which is weird to say considering like how often we're playing video games. Like it kind of makes sense that you would buy something kind of nice that would last a long yeah, time. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Um, so I, I ordered this thing, uh, it was expensive. It came like a week and a half later, uh, and they accidentally sent two of them, which, you know, keep that between us. Uh, Oops, but anyway, sorry. it's, uh, it's really intense. It's a, it's, it's an aggressive thing. I'm holding it right now so Steven can see it. Um, it has paddles on the back. Uh, it's all customizable. I removed two of the paddles, so I only have two of them. Um, there's a D-pad on it that is, it's really nice. Um, it, what it comes with is more adjacent to like a, a disco ball that's been flattened. I removed that. Like if you look up pictures of this thing, um, you'll, you'll see it because it's in all the marketing material. I removed it and just put like the regular D-pad on it because um, it, it just feels really nice. 
Um, and then like the sticks also just like come right off and there's like a key that you can turn in the sticks to make it more or less uh, like I, I guess strict or, 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 the, or the thumbsticks will be like more or less kind of um, maneuverable. Uh, and then wow. there are also locks on on the triggers on the back. Uh, so like if, if you have them all the way up, you can press down the triggers all the way. And then if you have it on like the second setting, it'll only go down halfway. Uh, and then if you go down to like the lowest one, it's like literally just a, like a face button kind of level of, of tactile when you're pressing the triggers. It is a really intense controller and because i got one i was like well i guess i have to start playing xbox again because <laughs> i haven't turned my xbox on in like months like for real months like ever since i, yeah. I tried playing um i think gears 5 when that came out oh no no no! i played it for bloodstained a bit uh when yeah, we, when and we you, talked about you had your mission to do everything in game pass which i guess like was unsustainable after a while it was unsustainable yeah and, and also like they started to remove a lot of stuff from game pass also which i'll also get into um, but I, I then was like, okay, I have this thing, this like really high end controller. I feel like I kind of got to break it in and I, I should be playing my Xbox more because I have it and I'm paying for game pass. Like it just kind of made sense to, to check it out. Um, yeah. so I hopped into game pass and I started playing some stuff. I've had this experience where I've been like, we, we talked about this in, in the episode that was called Sizzler or like the Sizzler video games, uh, where I've just been like bouncing around between games. Like after that, that triple hit of, of Persona 5, Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy 7, like I felt so kind of like fluid in terms of what was going to be next. I didn't really know what I wanted to like put some serious time into and I've been having a hard time choosing. So I've bounced around between a bunch of Game Pass games recently. Um, and if you're cool with it, I just kind of want to run through a couple of them, but also talk yeah. a little bit about how I feel about this in relation to like Xbox's mission and like how the next gen is going to look. Um, yeah, absolutely. So like one of the first games I checked out was one that was literally just like, I thought it would be a really good like use test for this new controller. Uh, it's a game that's called cluster truck. Do you know about it? No, not uh, at all. So it's a very, very simple game. The way it works is uh, you start on the back of a truck. You're on top of a truck. You're like standing on top. Uh, you have buttons for jump. You can look around and you can dash. So you can like run really fast and you can jump. It's all in first person. It's like a first person platforming game. And uh, you're on the back of this truck and there are like hundreds of trucks in front of you and they're all driving forwards. Uh, and, and at the end of all of this is a goal and you have to make it to the goal. That's the whole idea. And you have to make it to the goal by running and jumping from truck to truck and like jumping on the backs of all these trucks. Uh, but these trucks are like completely like physics based AI objects. So they're just kind of driving wildly like into each other, flipping over, honking their horns, blowing up, um, really <laughs> wild. So like the first, the first level is literally just like try and make it from A to B and you do it and it's fine. It's not too hard. And then the second time they introduce like, okay, so you're driving through this desert, but there are like mountains and cliffs and stuff and the trucks can drive into the cliffs. So like some of the trucks are like flipping over and the other trucks are like barreling through the flipped over trucks um, and things like that. I've found that there, it is, it is never the same twice. So there is weirdly like an element of like chance and skill and luck to it where like there is a situation in which all of the trucks pile up and you can't make it to the end. Uh, what's nice is that if you fail, you fail by like touching the ground essentially, or if you get hit by another truck or like if you explode or like hit a wall or something. But uh, it, it's really nice in that if you fail, it just reloads immediately. So it, there's no wait time literally at all uh, once you once you fail a level. 
so it, it just gets like more and more and more difficult where like trucks are going off ramps that are giant like spike balls that are flying through and wiping trucks out there's like a halloween level that i did where like ghosts show up and like shoot the trucks into the air so now you're like 500 feet in the air and you have to try and like look down and pinpoint a little landing spot um it is a really 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 goofy fun game uh, i highly recommend just like watching a youtube video of it or something if you don't have game pass and can't check it out for yourself because it is it is so fun and weird um and actually was like an incredible like first game to play with this controller um, yeah I, I definitely recommend it i think it might be available on switch also um cool. I, I think a lot of game pass stuff is is also on switch so i checked that out the next game i checked out was ori in the blind forest have you played this yet no it's been on my wish list for because that's that is on switch and i've been yes. wanting to play that for basically forever ever since we saw like same footage of it in the first e3 i've been wanting to play it so yeah you, played it. you yeah i started playing it i i put like maybe an hour and a half to two hours into it at this point uh you are going to love it if you play it <laughs> i, I also you. love it but i think you are also going to love it um yeah it, it I is love, i love forest stuff like that the thing about this game so i didn't really know this but it's kind of like a hollow knight metroidvania kind of thing it's not like difficult yeah. like hollow knight is but just in terms of like a 2d side-scrolling metroidvania like kind of modernist take on that with just incredible artwork Whereas Hollow Knight has more of like a cartoony kind of like somber vibe. This is just like beautifully painted kind of like um, early Disney animation concept art kind of like beauty to it. Um, it reminds me a lot just visually of of Pandora from James Cameron's Avatar, which is, you know, w maybe one of my least favorite movies of all time, but like <laughs> is undeniably very pretty to look at. Yeah, like yeah, that world yeah. is very nice. Um, so imagine if you had like a very nice story and a very nice video game set in that that world or a place that's that beautiful. Um, it, it opens with like kind of an up level like tearjerker cinematic um, that you get to play through. Uh, it is it is really, really amazing. And I know like I'm so late to that, <laughs> but like, yeah, uh, it's really great. I, th I think you'd like it a lot if you end up playing it at some point. Um, yeah, I'd love to revisit it because I think like, you know, I we, we're not beholden to new stuff. And I it also came out like what a couple years ago. It's not like. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like three or four years old at this point. There's a sequel out now that's also on Game Pass. So I'm planning on cool. getting through this one and then playing the sequel eventually yeah uh, but yeah so i played that uh and then i played a little bit of prey the 2018 reboot of the uh franchise from the x the sorry not original xbox i think it was the xbox 360 which do you know anything about prey <sighs> very little tell me okay cool so this game as a reboot has like as far as i can tell so far literally nothing to do with the original prey at all the original prey was like your guy I think from a from a Native American tribe who like ends up getting abducted by aliens or something um, and you're like making your way through like the mothership of this alien ship and it's just like a shooter. It's like pretty much a straight up shooter. This game is very different. This game is so wildly different uh, in that you're this guy who wakes up uh, and and he uh, gets instructed by his brother to show up to these like tests. So you're running through these tests. It's literally like uh, like a test subject guy. It kind of plays like a Bioshock or, or a system shock. Like it is very much like an immersive sim, like Firewatch, yeah. like Bioshock kind of thing. Um, closer to Bioshock. But anyway, uh, it's by, it's also by the team that makes Dishonored. It's worth mentioning. It's the Dishonored, oh, gotcha. Dishonored 2 team. Um, Arcane Studios. But anyway, uh, so this guy's telling you to run through tests. He's like, okay, uh, press this button, then press this button as fast as you can. Uh, there's one room where you're just in this big empty room uh, and, and there's a chair in the middle of the room and the guy is like, okay, so when the buzzer rings, I want you to hide in this room as best you can. And there's no place to hide except for the chair. Uh, so you press the button and then you go and you 
you crouch behind the chair and one of the test people is just like, is he, is he trying to hide behind the chair? Does he think that we can't, oh shit, I left the, I left the comms on, he can hear us. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like just this really goofy uh, thing of tests and then at the end of it, uh, it's, a, it's like an exam, it's like a, like a personality test where they give you all these questions that are variations on the trolley problem that are like, okay, so there's five people on this, on this track and there's one person on this track, do you switch the tracks, do you not? Um, and the second one is like, okay, there's five people on, on this track, but uh, if you jump in front of the trolley, then then those five people don't get hit. Do you jump in front? Do you not? Like stuff like that. So you go through this written exam and at the end of it, uh, this guy, the, the guy who's running the tests is like, okay, so you did a, you know, you did a great job, like kind of a little bit different than what we were expecting. But, and then he goes to uh, take a sip of his coffee and it turns into an alien, which then kills him. Uh, the, the coffee cup like transmorphs into this like kind of black goopy creature um, that ends up killing him uh, and you immediately get gassed and then you wake up in your apartment again the next day uh, or what seems like the next day but it is actually the previous day that you woke up in before kind of a Groundhog Day situation but a little bit of a subversion on it that I don't want to spoil too much uh, for those yeah. of you who might end up playing it but what then happens is you kind of make your way through this testing facility uh, it's very much like Portal which you know bookmark in that but it's very much like Portal in that like it's starts off with this like kind of very cut and dry testing scenario and now you're exploring the facility in which the testing happens but these these little creatures these like black goopy alien creatures are called mimics and this is the brilliance of this game because it makes you paranoid immediately what these mimics are able to do is copy any any object that's in these rooms so like if there is a office chair in, in, a, in a room, a mimic can turn into an office chair. So like you'll be walking around and you'll see like two office chairs next to a computer and you're like, that fucker's a mimic. I know that that thing's a mimic. And just like Half-Life, you start off with a wrench that you just beat the shit out of these things with. <laughs> so what ends up happening is like you see these mimics running around, like they'll, they'll like kind of like a horror movie, they'll just like run across the camera. Um, and then you'll look into the room that they ran into and it's like, okay, there's a projector on this table, there's like a bunch of chairs around this conference room. Um, it is kind of weird that there are like two exactly identical pieces of cake with a bite taken out of it right next to each other. So you're just like whacking these pieces of cake thing <laughs> if they turn into mimics or not. And then they don't. And it turns out that there was a lamp behind you that you didn't realize was the mimic. And then it jumps out at you. It's very terrifying, but really does create this, this absolutely like incredible sense of unease. It's such like a, it's such a like kind of beautiful, uh, streamlined way of taking all of these objects that are like very normal for immersive sims like why would i ever like be crawling through these trash cans to pull out all of these all of this like trash in a bioshock game like here's your here's your answer now is like you're checking the trash can to make sure that it's not a mimic you know like constantly every time you're walking around uh, all, all of these kinds of environments in a bioshock game they're just littered with physics objects and things like that like to try and make the place seem more lived in in this game they're turning that expectation on the player against you and now makes it so every room as benign as it might seem is actually a horrific place to be because at any point anything could turn into one of these mimics on top of that like it just has this like really interesting kind of like uh, onion mystery box thing where like it just keeps going layers and layers and layers deeper into into its story where they just keep flipping what you think the game is on its head and turning it into something else entirely. It's been a really, really fascinating time where like e even going so far as like you as the player are kind of an unreliable narrator in a memento-esque way where you have been uh, 
administering like memory destructive or like memory destroying tests to yourself so you don't even understand you know how much you know and you as the player are learning as much as the uh player character is whose name is morgan um and and you are unclear if like they know more than they're letting on so it's this really strange um kind of study into into what the what the player character can expect uh, from a narrative sense, from a character who is, you know, lying to themselves and to others constantly. And you're really only finding out by like reading emails and like watching videos and, and audio logs, like all the classic shit from a Bioshock is yeah, present in this that game. That sounds really cool. It's really, so what really is, interesting. What would you say the tone is? Because based on the beginning, it sounded like kind of like I'm, I'm picking up kind of like a dark comedic thriller kind of thing, or is it just straight up horror? Um, it, it starts off as that. And I think is becoming more and more and more just straight up horror as I'm playing it. Um, gotcha. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that it's more along the lines of like an aliens versus an alien. Gotcha. If that makes any gotcha. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. but, but I'm, I'm a little unclear cause I'm still also very early in that game. Cause as I, as I said, I've been bouncing around a bunch of different games uh, and trying a bunch of different things. Um, but that was one of them. That was, that was one of the games I checked out, which uh, got removed from Game Pass like almost immediately. So it's, it's not on Game Pass anymore, but I got uh, it. I think bummer. it was like 12 bucks or 15 bucks or something on Xbox. So I, I didn't mind buying it to check it out because I really wanted to play it. And I was kind of bummed that yeah. I didn't play it. So that's Prey. Uh, moving on to the next game I checked out. Um, I also got Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you are you are a Dark Souls 2 apologist. I am, yeah, I'm a big, I was a yeah. huge fan of the original Dark Souls 2 and never played Scholar of the First Sin, um, specifically because there's a bug in it, which I think you and I have talked about on the show, but there's a bug in it um, because they moved that game from 30 FPS to 60 FPS. There's a bug in it where all of the weapons degrade twice as fast and break on you twice as fast yeah uh, because apparently weapon durability was tied to the frame rate for some bizarre reason uh, and they just like decided to not fix it because they're like it's Dark Souls it's supposed to be hard so all your weapons are just breaking constantly which is a bizarre thing but I, I decided to pick it up for Xbox One because um, I wanted to, uh, well, I'll, I'll explain why, but I, I really wanted to be playing something on my Xbox, and I was like, let me just revisit something that I played before. Uh, so I started playing Dark Souls 2, still a great game. I, I'm uh, kind of floored by how much has changed between the original release and this one already. I'm like still in the first area. I haven't even fought the first like real boss yet, but a lot has changed in terms of like enemy placement, um, just like some quality of life stuff. Uh, graphically, it looks a little bit better than the original. I think there's like a different like lighting situation going on. But that game is beautiful. I, I really, really, really like Dark Souls 2. Um, I know a lot of people really didn't. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a great game. I think it's just not it's not as like intricately wound as the first. And I think that's what turns people off. Yeah, well, because this was uh, just a reminder for those unfamiliar. Uh, Miyazaki is like the auteur of the Dark Souls trilogy and of Bloodborne yeah. and of Sekiro. So this is the one big Souls game that didn't have his direct involvement because he was working on Bloodborne at the time. Yeah. But... He was involved with Scarlet the First Sin, right? Like that he was came the thing was to work on that. Yeah, Dark Souls Two came out and kind of um, it didn't it didn't tank at all. People really liked it when it came out, and I actually went back and I, and I was watching my original YouTube video that I posted for our old video game site, just like what my thoughts were at the time uh, when, when I was playing that, and and I I liked it a lot, and I remember talking to a lot of people who liked it a lot, and I remember the reviews were like pretty good for the most part, um, but a lot of like longtime fans of the franchise I think were a little bit let down by it because it didn't have that like kind of intricate wound level design that I think people had come to expect from demons and dark souls and then on top of that a lot of the enemy placement in the original to be completely fair as a person who played it like it wasn't hard it was 
cheap. You know what I mean? Like they, they yeah, were just being yeah. like, they're being very aggressive in their enemy placement in a way that just like created situations in which there's no way you could as a skilled player prepare for what was coming next. Like you climb to the top of a ladder and there are five enemies waiting for you at the top of the ladder. Like how are you supposed to deal with that really if you don't know that that's there ahead of time? You know, how are you supposed yeah. to react to that? There's really no way. Um, a lot of a lot of what Scholar the First Sin was all about was Miyazaki coming back and looking at those enemy placements and looking at things like that and saying like, what can we change here and there that would make it better? So instead of those five enemies on the top of the ladder, they're now all on the bottom of the ladder, lying all over the place with like kind of interesting items next to them. So if you have like a, a kind of greedy side to you uh, or you feel like you can take it, you can go and try and pick up any of those items and then the enemies will come up. So like now you're triggering it yourself. It's, it's a player choice instead of something that's just kind of like lumped onto you, which I think is great. I think that's really interesting. But then there's also like mini bosses that are just strewn about as random enemies uh, in like in like the first area of the game, which is just a nightmare. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. It's a really interesting uh, take. I'm excited to play more of it. Um, and, and I'm glad I got it because I, I think it'll be really fun. So uh, just just envision this segment that's happening as like a kind of a prelude to like other games. I'm probably going to talk about eventually as I play more of them. Yeah, um, no, it's cool because I think I think Dark Souls 2 like like you said like it was received well but it also like bloodborne came out like a year later and that felt like the true sequel to dark souls for a lot of people yes and like i think arguably still is like the definitive souls game in a lot of ways I think like so too, you, could, yeah. you, you could argue but i think like dark souls one bloodborne and sekiro all kind of like are are landmarks in that type of game in different ways yeah but yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to hear more of your thoughts on that. And, and I actually haven't played Dark Souls two, so I would love to have like my own take on it. I think especially you and I are drawn to games that like might have had some type of like divisive thing and and check them out years later and see what it feels like. Yeah. You know, yeah. like me playing Final Fantasy ten two in twenty nineteen was like a bizarre experience, but like yeah, this is fun. But it's also you know I, I also understand like games like that especially sequels when they came out you're going into that with a very very different headspace than like absolutely years later for a video game podcast so yeah uh weirdly for me that was my first entry to that franchise like that was um that was the first souls game that i played then i went back and played dark souls one and and uh demon souls and stuff after that um i was gonna say yeah that was like the game like dark souls one i think became a big hit when dark souls two came out that was like when i was really hearing about it mm -hmm. and like that's actually when i picked up the first one and played it on my uh that was actually in the full circle and the like hot year that i was playing games on my laptop and then it just <laughs> Yeah, just violently crashed one day. Just same, like actually, that was the same. Yeah. yeah, same timing for me. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to put a pin in in Portal uh, from the Prey segment just because I also have been playing through Portal One again. Um, oh wow! Which is a weird thing. So I just want to give a shout out to uh, the Besties, the Spotify podcast of you know, it's it's a big podcast. You've probably heard of it. Maybe you haven't. Check it out. It's good. They're they're kind of in this weird dearth where they're like, uh, there are no games coming out, so we don't know what to talk about. Uh, so they're doing this thing where they had the listeners vote on what the best year of video games was of all time. Um, and I think they picked 2007, I guess, uh, because they, they ended up talking about Portal this past week. So I was yeah. I was listening to their segment about Portal, and I didn't really this and this is why I'm playing it again but in the official release of portal not the orange box version but the one that they release after that it's, it's like I think it's called the stay alive edition or something or still alive edition they released a commentary track 
to the game mm. so you can play through the game you have to you have to beat it once the first time and then the second time you play it there are these like little floating orbs that when you go press on them it's like gabe newell and the developers of this game and like all the employees at valve talking about the various game design decisions that they made while making that game and i really wanted to experience this i think this sounds awesome uh so i i got uh portal still alive edition uh, i've been playing through it. it's very quick you know it's like maybe two hours total like to play that entire game through but uh, I, I, on the hunt to get this commentary track, which I definitely want to talk about more if I get to it, because it's awesome so far, just replaying the game and like kind of experiencing it through kind of fresh eyes. Um, and, and I think like over the years, at least since Portal came out originally, um, I've learned a lot more personally about how game design works. Uh, not that I am one or whatever, but like um, I, I listen to enough like game design podcasts and, and watch enough game design YouTube stuff like that. I, that I kind of uh, have a little bit of a of a understanding of it and it's really fascinating to play through portal with that kind of understanding um, yeah. because they're like this game just feels like and I, and I think they might have even mentioned this on the besties but it feels like a game that is it is built to teach other people how to play video games um it it has that like elegance of a super mario brothers like level one oh, yeah. one uh to it where like even even the opening shot of the thing kind of introduces you to what a portal is how it works um who who the main character is like you just learn so much in just the first shot of the game it is a really really brilliant uh uh, really brilliantly designed thing uh, all the way up until the end, which I'm like right before I'm like right before the end. Uh, I was trying to finish it before we started the podcast, but it, it hit uh, time to record. So, but like I'm right, right before the end. So I'm going to do the commentary later. And the last thing that I downloaded and haven't played yet, and I'm very excited about because I've never played it. And I, it's been on my list literally forever uh, is uh, nice. The old Republic two. Um, oh, hell yeah. Which nice. I didn't realize was backwards compatible with Xbox, but sure is. Uh, so I downloaded it cause it was like five bucks. Um, and I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'll absolutely play KOTOR. Um, cause I, I played the first one for like two hours and liked it. But then, you know, that was like on my old gateway computer <laughs> at my parents' house <laughs> in like, yeah. I don't even know when. Uh, so I never got to play the second one. So I'm really excited to do that. Oh man. If we can do like, if we can use this, uh, you know, void of new games ahead of us to do like a Bioware dive i would be so i mean i know obsidian did the second one yeah. but like i would i think i think uh i have the first one on my in my steam library i don't know if it plays on mac but yeah i know you got a copy of andromeda somewhere so we could i do, do that I do have but andromeda. i would commit so many crimes to get us to do a mass effect episode at some point all of the mass effect games are backwards compatible and on game pass right now oh my god i'm just so like that's the thing. Like my Xbox 360 right now is like literally I, I feel like I lose karma turning it on. It is so <laughs> in need of just going on to the to the next life that like I am most likely going to get the new Xbox if only to have that backwards compatibility. Because I have so many great Xbox 360 games that like I don't really have access to play. Yeah. And I also think like there's enough there are now enough i don't know if it's if it's the exclusives that's selling me i mean there's stuff like ori that i would love to play that is xbox and pc exclusive but services like game pass coupled with the backwards compatibility of at least to 360 and xbox one is that correct i'm not making that up yeah right? no, no no that's correct that just seems like such a sell for me to have that all in one place on like mm -hmm. new hardware and to have that you know especially doing this show to have the ability I don't want to repeat my sins of 2013 of just having a, three, a 3DS yeah. and working for a video game website. I should have a, a... And I think, too, like, I'm still taking the same stance on on Sony that I always have, where, like, 
the new PlayStation is always worth getting two years after it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because they always release it a little too early. There's not a lot for it. And especially right now, like, I don't think PS5 is going to have like a strong launch, uh, unfortunately. This is OK. I'm glad that you brought yeah. this up because this is actually exactly what I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. So one of the big problems that I had when I turned my Xbox one back on with this new controller, I was like so excited to kind of buckle down and play it was like, OK, what have I missed? Like what stuff is available for Xbox one that I that I didn't end up getting to play. Um, so I went to Polygon's article. They, they have an article for every uh, console, but it's the 22 best Xbox One games. I'm just going to read them to you very quickly and, and let yeah. me know if there's something that jumps out at you because something jumped out at me pretty quickly. Oblivion 2. Sorry. <laughs> um, Sorry, that's so stupid. That was great. I mean, Go imagine. Oh. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, this is in no order. This is just like their list. Um, but all right, here, here it is. Uh, <laughs> Doom Eternal, Ori and the... Oh, I want to get that. I want to get Doom Eternal very badly. Ori Sorry. and the Will oh. of the Wisps. Outer Wilds. I want to get that too. Journey to the Savage Planet. Uh, Gears 5. Uh, sorry, Outer Worlds also. Uh, Control. Sekiro. Resident Evil 2, the remake. Uh, Return of the Obra Dinn. Red Dead Redemption 2. Hitman 2. Uh, Halo the Master Chief Collection, Sea of Thieves, uh, PUBG, Sunset Overdrive, Near Automata, Titanfall 2, Minecraft, Forza Horizon 4, um, and then like it just says backwards compatible games also. Um, and then there's like a couple other ones like Apex Legends, Cuphead, Fortnite, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, Resident Evil 7, and Void Bastards, which I actually have talked about on the show before. Yeah, um, I mean, those are all great games. I have a lot of them, and a lot of them are, are available for PS4. That is obviously. the thing. That is the thing that I wanted to yeah. mention is like if you look at this list on the PS4, like Polygon's like B- PS4 best of list, it's mostly exclusives for PS4. And in this yeah. case, it is like almost entirely cross-platform stuff. And I know some yeah. of that is is intentional on Microsoft's end, like porting Ori and the Blind Forest to Switch was a very intentional thing. Uh, Minecraft being everywhere is a very intentional thing, even though Microsoft owns it at this point. Um, but like most of these games are cross-platform, which kind of made me wonder, like, why would I invest in an Xbox next time? Like why, if this is their output this time, like why, why would I kind of want to double down on getting an Xbox again for the next generation? I think, I think it's a little bit twofold. Number one, like Game Pass is an unbelievable service, uh, as we talked about. Backwards compatibility is an incredible thing. All those games are also still available to buy on the Xbox Live store. So like you can go and buy every game that's backwards compatible as a digital version also. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Which is rad. But on top of that, like they just bought a ton of studios in the past couple of years, all to develop stuff for the next generation because I think I think that they recognize that this was a problem I think they recognize that they didn't have enough exclusives this gen so they're trying to come out of the gate next gen as as, uh, I don't know as the front runner in that case I I personally like Xbox Live's online service better. Um, I think the Xbox One like menu system is just a travesty and is horrible and hard to use. Um, (laughs) But I do enjoy playing games on Xbox, I think, more than playing on PS4 personally. That said, as you mentioned, like the PS5, I am so nervous about like Xbox One. We've heard so much about there's actually an event. We're recording. I mean, uh, Series X. Yeah, yeah, the Series X. Yeah, we're recording this episode on Sunday, May third. In four days, Microsoft is doing their like first unveiling of like new games that are coming for the Series X. They're like doing their kind of like like a low key version of their E three presentation in like a couple days to show off what this hardware is capable of. We've heard nothing about the PS five except for the GDC tech demo that Mark Cerny did. That was just like. 
him kind of very nonchalantly talking about the specifications of like the hard drive that's in there that they built, like their custom hard drive, the 3D sound, things like that. But we don't know anything about software. I think that this is a situation kind of like going from the PS2 to the PS3 era where Sony is so far in uh, ahead of Xbox right now that they feel like they can't be challenged. And because of that, it seems like the marketing is just not up to snuff personally. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And I think Xbox has a lot to prove this time, like not to make this a one versus the other situation, but like sure, I'm sure. going to be disappointed if the PS5 is like a bummer in the way that a PS3 yeah. was a bummer for like five straight years of that generation. Yeah, and that that's, that's exactly right. It's like... I I think like in terms of hardware, PS3 was much more stable than a 360. Yeah. But like 360, that was when I got an Xbox for the first time. And that like so many incredible games for that system. Yeah, and I like, loved my 360. Uh, I mean, you know, and that's like all I want is like a definitive Mass Effect version of like all three games, all DLC in one place. And like even though that's maybe not going to happen, like having the ability with the new Xbox to have all those games in one place to buy those games if I want to. Yeah. You know, it's weird to like want to ask a company like, hey, let me give you money. Like, you know, like... We talk about Nintendo all the time, but it's weird to say like, I really want to play Alan Wake why can't I download it anymore on Steam? And like, right. oh, guess what? It's available on Xbox and it's on Game Pass. And I love, like, uh, don't get me wrong, I love the, uh, the like, virtual arcade for having Nintendo Online with the SNES games, NES games, especially the Super Nintendo ones. But, like, yeah. I think the Wii had such a better, the Wii and the Wii U especially had such a better, like, online marketplace for old games. You could buy Earthbound on your Wii U. Yeah, like, right. That's amazing. You, you know, it's and that all that all is tied to like, what is the what is the service of the system? Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly am kind of like I, I think I'll probably still end up getting the PS5 eventually, but I'm going to wait on it because like it doesn't seem it, we're, we're in that stretch of time, kind of like we were at the end of PS3, beginning of PS4, where a lot of the first PS4 games were on both systems, yeah. you know, and like. I don't think the we're also at a point where like the jump in graphics I don't think is going to be as severe. So like right, yeah, you know totally. it's not gonna it's not gonna be the kind of thing where you're playing Dragon Age Inquisition on your 360 and it's like truly a nightmare. Uh-huh. Um, right, uh, which is like kind of the event that made me just buckle up and get a PS4. So. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly excited for the Xbox in a way I was not because we like in our almost three years of doing this show, we've kind of not really been into Xbox really. Like we've tried and we're not like taking sides. We're we're the show exists to just like embrace what we really like. But I think like you just said, with the twenty one best Xbox One games, there are like two on there that are exclusives. Um, yeah, very few. So, you know, I, I think that there was never it in this generation it was like you could argue whether or not as a system you liked xbox one more or less than ps4 but i subjectively like the the exclusives on ps4 are ridiculous like it's not really comparable yeah uh, it's you know. yeah it, it ridiculous is weirdly enough a good word for it <laughs> uh, like yeah and, that's, and that, that's also for someone like me who like really loves rpgs so like just having persona 5 and ff7 as an exclusive is enough for me to get that over you know gears 6 or whatever yeah but i don't uh, ff7 i think is cross-platform though isn't it or is it no that's PS4 only? just playstation uh, yeah, that's i'm a, pretty sure it's just wild. ps4 wow 
I would wager maybe eventually I could see it like, you know, once the next episode oh, comes out. Exclusive maybe until like, April 2021, which means that it could end up on PC and Xbox One after. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that, I think that's kind of what happened with the original game because they eventually ported it to PC and other things. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm honestly excited and I'm excited in a way that I haven't been because honestly, even when the Switch came out, I was kind of nervous because I'm like, I don't know, this is the Wii U days. Like, what's next? Yeah, right. Uh, and it ended up being great. And I think there's a direct pattern of like when these companies encounter a generation where they're like losing touch or like kind of losing what makes them great they usually bounce back and when people think they're on top that it's when they slip yeah which is i as we're mentioning like i think that's what's going to happen with the ps5 and i think that's what's happening with the xbox one where like the xbox one announcement was so horrible that it doomed yeah. that console for the entirety of the generation. Nothing but bad press. There was like, oh, the camera's always on. They were calling it the X-Bone. Like, it was yeah. just, you know, yeah. so much was uh, was against it. And um, and yeah, not to mention just like the lack of exclusives and all that. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the Series X. I will probably get it. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if they end up doing that thing where like the Series X is kind of the higher end version, but there's also like a cheaper one that you can buy at launch. Like, I wonder if they're going to do that situation because yeah. um, I'm very interested in seeing what the difference is between those two uh, and, and how they play differently. But also like now I have this wild controller that uh, they've already said is going to work with the new Xbox, which I think is rad, like out of the box which is cool, but like, as you're mentioning, that that addition of Game Pass and the backwards compatibility to the original Xbox is like, that's a huge game library. Like, it's cool that the PS5 is going to be backwards compatible with PS4, but like, what about the PS3 and PS2 stuff that I, I would die to play right now and like the PS1 yeah. stuff, you know? Imagine if that whole library was available on the PS5. That would be not the whole library, but like a chunk of it the same way the Xbox is backwards compatible. I think that would be yeah. a huge, huge decision making uh, shift for a lot of people. Um, Absolutely. And, and yeah. I think Microsoft's commitment to that on the Xbox side is, is um, really strong. Also, they just announced, I think the other day, that uh, that um, Project X Cloud, that that thing that lets you stream your console to like your phone or your computer or whatever, is also going to be included in the price of Game Pass. So you would get all of your Game Pass games with all the saves being stored in the cloud, and then you could pick up and play them on literally any device you own. Included in that price, I think, is like genius. Yeah, they're just they're just really thinking about I think the future of video games in a way that I think it seems like Sony doesn't seem to be as much like the the idea of the internal hard drive and the idea of 3D sound like 3D audio kind of getting bumped up I think is cool and is interesting but that kind of I, I think is aiding developers more than it's aiding the the end user in a way yeah um whereas i think microsoft is thinking about the the person who's buying the thing still very open to be proven wrong like i would love for, for real both yeah hard to same great, like i know? i'm yeah. definitely dunking yeah. on it but like i i want everything to be good always but right right now the the advertising and the vibe of ps5 has literally been like emblematic with the new logo where it's like here's the same thing again yeah right yeah you it's know? a five now uh, yeah i do like the controller the controller looks cool but like you know that's about too. it so yeah. far I did but, not I mean, like I, the DualShock 4 very much. I, I, I don't think that's a very comfortable uh, controller. It's, uh, it's nice, but it feels very flimsy in a way that I didn't like. Um, <laughs> my voice is cracked again. I don't know what's going on. I went, ah! um, yeah, I, I think the big thing, and this is not a hot take, but the big thing is like when you rest it down, it's very easy for the shoulder buttons to be hit. Yeah, happens all the time. <laughs> this, 
this is not a fault of the controller, but it's a funny story I'm going to share uh, in terms of like just, you know, some fun controller bits for you. <laughs> okay. um, but I was playing uh, Persona 5R and eating a bowl of lentils. Uh <laughs> The controller vibrated so violently because, like, I got a call from one of the wardens and they're like, Inmate! And, like, it, it scared me so actually that I spilt lentils everywhere. Like, I was just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it re- weirdly completely immersed me in the moment. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I just, I just like had a flashback of that, and I was like, I have to share this. That's so um, funny. But yeah, I hope the new controller is lentil proof. In some, I also way. hope it's lentil proof as well, Steven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Xbox One Elite controller series two would recommend. It's great. Um, I'm really liking it so far. Um, it is definitely like the most comfortable controller I think to play with so far. Um, I was going to say, it looks kind of like a Pro Controller for the Switch, Yeah, the, the Pro Controller is, I, I thought I had one here that I could hold up. Um, not that people listening at home would be able to see it, but... Um, we they, do this a lot. They look very <laughs> look similar. This, um, this yeah. thing is built like a fucking tank in the way that that one is not, but they, they do look and feel very similar, in the hand at least. Um, this, this just has like a weight to it that I really appreciate, I think. Yeah, and I feel like that customization of controller would be really good for a lot of people who play a lot of fighting games. You know, having yes. that kind of like that option and that kind of sensitivity to what you're doing. Because I yeah. remember I remember when Street Fighter 4 was big and I think they still do this at tournaments. They'll have like the actual arcade like joystick and buttons and stuff. Yeah. You could buy that controller. Um, and that was like the thing pros used. Maybe I'll do that one day if I get back into it. But yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm excited for the new Xbox. Me too. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, I think I think the Xbox has been like kind of our blind spot throughout the entirety of this um this doing this podcast so far. But weirdly enough, like looking back at that list of like best Xbox games, I kind of feel like maybe it isn't a blind spot at all. Like maybe Yeah, I mean we covered almost all of those games in some way yeah. too. You know, so like uh but yeah, I, I do hope the new Xbox has their weird version of the Miis. Do you remember that? Like the Xbox 360 The avatars, Miis? yeah. No, they're, they're in the Xbox One still. Oh, hell yeah. I had such a scary one. My picture was like a very like intense close-up of their face. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a Victorian ghoul sort of vibe. Ooh. Anyway, that's my that's my gamer tag, Victorian. Ghoul. Victorian. That's that'd be a great gamer tag, honestly. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll just do skin tight alloy too this time. Yeah, wait, what's uh, what is your actually? Maybe don't say it on the show. I was gonna say what is your gamer tag right now, but like if you had to get an Xbox right now, do you have a, an account that you could log into, or do you not anymore? I don't think so. The thing about my account got hacked for the 360, so I, I would be weary of like oh. using the same one. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, it all got sorted out. This is like literally in 2011. Yeah. But I remember like my interface literally was in Russian, and I was like, "Huh." Whoa. And yeah. I called customer support, and they like walked me through. Like, okay, normally it's in English, and you can't change it, but here's where you have to click. <laughs> so I like kind of just had to like learn a little bit of Russian on the fly to get my account back. They bought like Kratos skins for my me. I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> That's what you hack an account for is like me customization. Get Animal Crossing. <laughs> Uh, it was 2011. I, I understand. Only city folk was out. Yeah. Um, Woof. But yeah, I'm pumped, man. This is this is exciting. Yeah. So I, I guess expect me to come back uh, next week or in the following weeks with like some more deep dives on some of those games potentially. Uh, is there a release date for Series X or not yet? Um. La- so obviously because of everything that's happening, I sure. think it's a little bit more up in the air. Um. The last right. thing I heard was literally this week, Phil Spencer, who is the head of Xbox, um, said that he's expecting the Series X to still launch on time holiday this year or by holiday this year. But he said that the launch games might not be there. He was like, 
you know, that that's not as on us. He's like, on our end, the actual like manufacturing of the thing and the shipping of the thing is going to be fine. But the, yeah. but the, but the software for it is, is out of our hands a little bit. Um, so I'm interested to see where that ends up. Same with the PS5. I imagine the PS5 will have the same deal. Yeah, I, we, we talked about Phil Spencer a lot, and I think it's cool that he's pretty open about all this stuff. Like you said, there's no one above him, so it's not like he has nothing to risk by right. doing that. But like, I, I think, especially like in the more off-the-air stuff, like on show other podcasts and stuff he seems pretty like open to any questions and is very honest of like their shortcomings as well which is cool yeah yeah he, he's pretty open like even just on his twitter account like he'll talk pretty openly about this stuff and how it's coming along which i think is, is yeah. really helpful for the industry in general because this industry is so wrapped up in secrecy that's like so needless um it's like it, it, can, it can be a bummer sometimes but uh yeah i'm i'm glad that phil spencer's running xbox uh i guess yeah Anyway, yeah. The I mean, Xbox who knows? Series there's still, there's still veils and stuff, but yeah. Want to wrap up? Yeah, let's let's stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you go for it. <laughs> that was really lazy. Want to wrap up? Okay, you do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. We have a great time doing this show, and it means a lot that we have such a supportive audience. If you like the show, tell a friend who might like it and play tabletop sim together. Uh, it's great. And also, if you really want to help the show, rating us on Apple Podcasts out of five stars is also extremely helpful. And also just listening. If you enjoy it, that's literally the most helpful thing and the easiest. We have a Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash into the cast. As we've said many times, if donating to the show right now puts you in any kind of financial strain, please don't. Uh, we will not take it personally. And we can still do the show without financial support. It just helps us do more. So the uh, if you support us on Patreon, that helps directly contribute to our bonus episodes. We want to do more streams. Um, something that I also want to talk about in terms of Patreon. When we first started it, we um, had one item of ours that was kind of paywalled. Uh, we, had, we have a monthly newsletter on medium.com uh, also enter the cast i believe and that was something that was only sent to backers of the patreon and and after i would say like four or five issues we realized that we didn't want to have a paywall there <laughs> so we we just made that available to everyone uh and it's really cool i think we're both really proud of what's there we've had a lot of uh featured writers on there as well we've had a lot of artists it's a really cool spot and I think it's sort of emblematic of us, you know, trying to trying to create a, a culture around the show where everyone kind of has a platform. Uh, I would love to do more with that. That being said, right now, our our schedules are such that, like, we may not be able to commit to that monthly. You might have noticed that there wasn't one uh, in April or at least you know, there was one at the end of March, beginning of April. But there wasn't another one for April. Yeah. Um, I have something planned for that recently. All that to say, for the newsletter right now, expect it to keep being updated, but it may not be on a monthly schedule uh, exactly. Yeah, but I think that's going to take shape over time. Yeah, I, the, the way I kind of see it happening, I think, is more of like a, a less of a, hey, here's a newsletter, it's all wrapped up as one thing, like tied up in a bow, and more of a, like, you and I are going to write stuff and like invite people to write stuff kind of as we as we want yeah. and like kind of build out that medium page into more of like a, a kind of like publishing space instead of like one thing that exists wholly every month. Um, Cause like, as I mentioned, I went back and looked at our old video game website and stuff like that. And I just kind of, I miss writing that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And although I am currently somehow working way more 
uh, like longer hours and just working more on everything in general than I was before all of this started. Um, I do want to make time to start writing more like opinion based kind of news centric stuff like so I don't have to, you know, go on a 45 minute rant about how the Xbox One Series S and PS5 are, are going to compete next gen uh, on the podcast and I can maybe do it in written form instead. Um, I thought it was enjoyable to hear, but like, yeah, I, I think it's another it's another outlet for us to maybe explore something that's like not as show centric. Yeah. And it's also cool. I mean, there's some it's not all news and opinions like you wrote really lovely poems inspired by Animal Crossing. There's some like works of fiction there. Really, really great pieces by friends of ours as well. Uh, it's a cool spot. And I I'm really proud of it. But I just wanted to like I wanted to speak on it. So no one thought that it was just sort of like getting silently abandoned. It's it's very much still in our hearts. We're just like like Brendan said, we're kind of updating as we go on less of like a here's June. Right. Here's August. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, but that's an example. And I think we're also open, you know, as as the show progresses and as as our schedules change and, and whatever. Uh, and, and depending on the support we get, we can do more. I think I'm going to try to stream a little more myself, um, if possible. So that might, you know, get an uptick. Um, but yeah, all that stuff is kind of work in progress and sort of as we go. Uh, I just want to set expectations there, but always expect episodes every week unless we say otherwise i think in our three almost three years of doing this we've had to take a couple breaks but like more often than not every wednesday that is that is our promise to you and and a bonus per month as well yeah cool um otherwise we've got an email address it's a great place uh and to the aether podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us any questions or you know reach out to us for any reason you could do that we are also our dms are open on twitter and on our discord very lovely Discord. Above all else, join join the Discord. Uh, it is uh, link is in the show notes. Uh, TWG. Uh, the link is in the show notes. I never remember the link. <laughs> you can go to the worst garbage online, and there's a link there. Yeah, that you can click on. There you go. I should know that by now, but it's I just kind of I just sort of glaze over when you do this normally. I just sort of. <laughs> Um, I, sort of, I, kind of, I kind of become a villager in Harv's Island where I just sort of look at you and don't say anything. <laughs> um, uh, for yeah, for I th- updates I on it. kind of everything, like for the newsletter stuff, uh, however that takes shape, for um, bonus episodes, things like that, um, I, th- I think the best place to follow along with us is on the Twitter, which is at Into the Cast. Um, yeah, I yeah, do want to just shout out, like, if you're if you're uh, a fan enough of this show to be listening to this part of the show still, um, and and there's a better place for you to get this information than on Twitter, I guess let us know. Like, should we be on Instagram? Should we be on X Y Z? Should we have a fucking TikTok where we mention that we wrote something <laughs> new on Medium.com? Uh, I don't know. I guess just let us know. Uh, what works best for you. Um, also, out of curiosity, if you would like these uh, episodes to exist on YouTube somehow, uh, let us know. I'm just curious about that in general, like just kind of an audio thing, like we just upload the audio to YouTube. I'm curious about that. Um, but outside of all of that, let me thank the Patreon backers. Uh, thank you again to all of you who uh, who back the show, including Akira, Alex, Andrew D, Andrew D, Ariel, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolt, Brendan, Brett, Catherine, Christopher, Craig, David, Dennis, Elliot, Enrique, Hilton, Inez, Jason, Jeff, uh, Joeri, Josh, Cameron, Connor, Kieran, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Marcel, Marianne, Matt, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min, Murray, Naomi, No Name, Pablo, Philip, Robert, Salupezi, Scout, Sebastian, Shelly, Skin Tight Alloy, Trevor, and William. Uh, some new names there. Thank you all so much uh, for backing the show. It really, really, really means so much uh, that that, that does mean especially to do that. that we've ended every episode with basically saying like, "Don't back our Patreon." We've gotten some more. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's. 
extremely thoughtful and, and I we appreciate that greatly. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Uh, I, I, I second Brendan if, if we can have I mean, for context, the discord was suggested to us by someone and it has become such a rock both like, yeah, for the show and for us as people like it, it, it really it felt like it's always been there in a nice way. Uh, yeah. Let us know what we can do. I had something to say and I forgot, but I'm just going to end the episode because, you know, sometimes you don't have control, right? <laughs> Stoicism. Uh, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Don't go to Harv's Island. Don't go to Harv's Island. Bye. Goodbye. The hip keys. Garbage dot online.